you know, why are you here? And what do you want to accomplish? And how are you going to do it? I think you need to be broad enough to allow for flexibility, you know, pivoting with opportunities so you don't miss out on a chance to make an impact. So that balancing act along with your purpose is really important. I think you need to stay true to your purpose while building a corporate career and compromise with yourself is also key. Um, but your purpose statement should be your mantra. I, I actually say mine every morning and it, it keeps me focused. After all these years, I just reflect for a moment before my feet hit the ground out of bed and I say my purpose and I, it keeps me, my, me focused. Welcome to Big Time Sustainability. Big Time Sustainability is brought to you by Center for Big Synergy and it is a United Nations Global Goals Initiative. On this show, global leaders and changemakers tell us how they are combating major challenges like climate change, loss of biodiversity, hunger, poverty, inequality, and many more. Big Time Sustainability aims to inspire all of us to follow these leaders and act with urgency to create a more sustainable world. If you are a changemaker or know someone who is making a big difference in their community or globally and should be on this show, please email us at podcast at thebigsynergy.org or visit www.thebigsynergy.org. Good morning, Courtney, and welcome to Big Time Sustainability. So um, for our listeners and viewers, um, Courtney Holm is the Vice President of Sustainable Futures at uh, Capgemini uh, Invent. And I'll let uh, Courtney talk a little bit more about herself, her work at uh, Capgemini and how she is uh, working to make the world a better place. Sure, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for the, um, for the opportunity to, to share my story. Um, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a background because it hasn't been, it's been, it's been quite a long career, you know, about 25 plus years. And I think everything I've worked on is always laddered up to my purpose. And I'll talk about purpose a little bit later. And that purpose really has been largely unchanged for the past you know, 23 to 25 years. And it's to future-proof how we live in a climate-challenged world. I've been living this purpose by fostering the understanding that humans are a part of the natural world. And then I help give people tools and skills to support innovation that brings them closer to nature. I fundamentally think that a lot of our challenges in society are based on our decoupling of humanity from the natural world. So I think we do need to build that relationship back. My education and career have been focused on environmental science and literature and sociology and pottery, horticulture, and then finally technology and innovation. And um, that's given me a really broad stroke to help a lot of different organizations over the years about delivering the sustainable development goals. Uh, my current position is with Capgemini Invent, and I'm the UK uh, President for Sustainability Solutions or, um, and Sustainable Futures. My role really is to shape the way the UK team creates long-term value and sustainable value for clients, enabling them with fresh perspectives and digital solutions so that they can play this more transformative role in addressing planetary people and systems change. Um, I started my career back in the 1990s studying environmental science, and then I moved on to literature, pottery, and sociology. I really wanted to understand and write about humans' disconnection from nature, and I, I do believe that it's the, the root cause of our negative impacts, environmental degradation, and social issues. But um, 
I, I couldn't get a job when I graduated and I did write a book, but no one would publish it. So I started working in horticulture and I earned a certificate in ornamental horticulture and continued to work in, in nurseries and greenhouse production. Um, and then later technology started to evolve um, in the early thousands. And then especially in the agriculture and horticultural space. And by the end of it, I was managing quite a lot of greenhouse production and field production from a rudimentary smartphone. So I was hooked. I was hooked on technology. So I decided to, to move to the UK, that was about 14 years ago, and do an MBA to gain a broader understanding of corporate thinking around sustainable development. And then post-graduation, I joined a, a, a firm called Two Degrees. And at the time, they were the world's largest online community of sustainability practitioners. And I was the client director for uh, the Tesco business that we ran. So Tesco is a, a very large retailer here in the UK, and, and they have a, quite a big global footprint as well. So I helped Tesco transform their fresh food supply chain. Um, and we worked a lot with producers through the Tesco producer network, and then also with their tier one supply chain around the Tesco Knowledge Hub. And that was really focused on carbon reduction um, in, their, in their value chain. After two degrees, I moved on to a global role with Unilever, and I focused on raw material traceability, so quite a technical role. And then I later was promoted to Global Head of Sustainable Technology. And my role there was to help colleagues leverage technology to deliver and scale the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan. So quite, again, a broad role utilizing technology for sustainable development. I think over the years, I, I learned that no one organization could solve systemic issue um, and that multilateral collaboration was the only path forwards a more sustainable future. So in order to scale my impact, I, I knew I needed to have access to clients across a lot of different sectors and regions. So I decided to go into a consulting business. So that's when I joined Capgemini. And I've been, um, I've been here for about two and a half years. And I've built this practitioner-led capability. And, um, and now I have a team of 22 experts and specialists. And we've created a champion network with close to 500 consulting colleagues. And we did that through an education program that I co-developed with the University of Exeter. I think most importantly, throughout my 20 plus year in sustain career in sustainability, I've brought my passion for the natural environment, people and technology and business together to help organizations embed sustainability into the way that they operate. And I think a key to that too is helping organizations figure out how they decouple growth from sustainable development. And I, I just love my work. I, I always have. Great, great. You know, it's, it's, it's always inspirational when you find someone like yourself um, having, you know, walked on a very long road and have, um, you know, picked up so many pearls of wisdom on the way. Um, Courtney, you mentioned um, about um, collaboration and multilateral collaboration, which probably is one of the key areas everyone is um, looking ahead uh, as well as struggling to you know find the best way to do so so um what's your insight i mean what's holding back even more of that and what could industry do and you know both public and um, private um what could they do to uh, accelerate it yeah i've been speaking about cross-sector collaboration for over a decade um and there's no really superb examples i have to say i think some organizations uh, like the WBCSD are doing a great job of bringing companies together, but it's not just about collaboration. We also need this transformational shift if we're truly to have sustainable development. 
I've, I've previously um, talked about the five C's, uh, which I like to call them. Um, so counterculture, change, collaboration, cooperation, and most importantly is collective action. And I think these five C's are key drivers for the transformation of our society. I, I do believe that influential individuals and small groups of concerned citizens can bring about enduring change. However, I, I do believe it's gonna take collective action from business government and citizens. Um, corporates aren't great at living out the five C's because they're often focused on their own individual profits. But I believe that collaboration is an emerging competency to organizations and they have to support that transition and be very community focused and how they think about um, moving away from that extractive linear model to one that's more regenerative and circular. And I, the most important thing when we talk about these models is that they have to be just and fair and they have to consider everyone's needs as a part of the common goal. And that's where cooperation becomes really important because we, we do need a common goal. Yeah. Uh, and that's where organizations like the UN uh, with, with the sustainable development goals are really purposeful because they give everyone that common goal, 17 of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, and I actually think that number 17 is the most important one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, what we see as a uh, civil society organization interacting both with businesses, the government, and also um, the civil society is that um, it's often very difficult to uh, embed sustainability in all practices that each of these different sectors or stakeholders think that is sustainable. For example, you know, what's probably sustainable according to the definition of the business may not be what um, a common man might think. Um, yeah. So how do you, uh, you know, kind of have a unified definition and embed it within, you know, the business structure, so to say, so that, you know, essentially it is the business serving everyone. Businesses are yeah. the ones who are serving everyone. So how do they embed kind of a unified definition within their strategy to be able to then deliver? I think compliance is really important because it gives us a framework, a common framework to hold people account. I think it's been quite critical to think about the pace at which these different actors operate. So I think compliance is a great starting point, right? Because it gives everyone the framework from which they have to comply against what's important to governments and, and wider stakeholders, including the community. But we also have to focus on helping organizations understand how to go beyond compliance, because we know that compliance and standards will only get us so far. I think incremental change has gotten a bad rep, <laughs> but I believe that incremental changes are critical for embedding change and enabling transformation change inside of organizations, because it's hard for businesses to make the financial case for sustainability. It's too broad of a topic. And that's why it needs to be broken down and small changes helping to make that business case for further, more strategic investment. And compliance helps with that. Technology is an enabler for sustainability. I, I firmly believe that and I've built a career around that uh, belief. And I think that technology and industry professionals, um, it's critical to change our perspective to, to see technology as a capability rather than a point solution. 
So for example, um, there are great CRM tools on the market to manage client and customer interactions, but those tools can also handle complex relationships across other data points like biodiversity, so species, you know, and ecosystem health. Um, so we could use those sorts of CRM tools for ecosystem management. Using that same functionality in these tools that a lot of organizations already have can help measure success uh, in a different way, not only for account management, for example, but also the health of an ecosystem. And I think because we often see technology as a huge part of the financial business case for sustainability, but we don't want it to be a deterrence. We want it, we want them to leverage what they already have. And I'll, I'll say a really old school technology kind of speak is, you know, to sweat the assets because right. technology can also be layered, right? So if you have a, a wonderful architecture um, and then some, you know, APIs, they create the possibility to add multiple technology capabilities together to create new solutions for complex problems. Right, great. I mean, th this is really exciting, uh, Courtney. Would you would you be able to expand with uh, any examples that, uh, you know, Capgemini may have developed like a case study which um, can shine some light on how this is, this is happening in real world? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think we see, so let's take, there's a, there's a really great tool. Um, uh, so DocuSign have a fantastic tool. And I'll, so oh. I'll talk a little bit about a, a, just how this could be in, in practice. So um, contract management systems like DocuSign have a sustainability related provisions built into them. And they can be powerful compliance tools when they're informed by social listening tools, for example. So you can link that to a procurement system and then you can start blocking payments when a breach is reported, like from a modern day slavery. So you can start to, to use a tool that's already in like DocuSign, contract management. You can layer a KPI to hold um, upstream supply chains accountable for specific uh, goals or, or KPIs like modern day slavery. And then you can use social listening to see what's happening in the value chain and then raise flags against those suppliers if there's a breach reported. And that gives you time to stop payment, to go get people on the ground, to check out the situation. And then that, that holds people accountable. And I think that kind of accountability we're not seeing enough of. I agree, I agree, no, surely so. I mean, I think that's, that's where really the crux of the whole matter is, frankly. So uh, Courtney, we, we are not too far away from 2030. And of course, yes. all, big players are rolling up their sleeves to uh, see what they can do to uh, make um, us or take us all to meet the goals, so to say. So um, what are your plans? What is Capgemini Invent doing so to maximize its impact um, on its road towards 2030? Okay, so I mean, Capgemini is doing quite a lot. We have a, a lot of offers to help clients across their, their entire organization, really. Um, for me, technology loves scale and Capgemini are, are great at technology, but sustainability initiatives desperately need to be scaled to drive the impact that we need to see across climate change, adaptation and, and the social aspects around um, environmental impact as well. So technology can help enable that reach and connection, the ability to collect and disseminate information in an efficient way, and it has the power to bring down the cost per contact when working on programs that deliver impact in, in value chains, right? So we see this especially in upstream value chains 
where data collection and sharing can be a margin eroding activity that doesn't always lead up to top in, to like insightful action. So how do we think is going, going beyond compliance? How do we think this about uh, beyond just doing compliance requirement to doing critical business? So, you know, engaging with your upstream supply chain, understanding, having more traceability and transparency of that supply chain will really help us drive a lot of environmental and social impact. And I think beyond scale, we need more advanced technical solutions to, sustain, to support more sustainable choices in the downstream value chain. So I think all of us make thousands of decisions every day. What if each person reflected for just a moment, what is the most sustainable choice I'm making? Um, and if we all just shifted our perspective and our worldview to think about you know, the thing that you're, that you're going to buy, you know, this has a supply chain associated with it. And making those decisions will help, again, hold people account, but also fundamentally start to ask some of those really tough questions around sustainable consumption. Right. I, also okay. think that, I also think that climate adaptation is a really important thing. And I think we'll talk about that in a little while too. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I think that that really brings up to, to that, frankly. So, I mean, how do you see that being integrated in business models? I mean, climate adaptation, because obviously uh, it's uh, this, you know, you work in a, in a global uh, corporation and obviously different businesses in different parts of the world have different sorts of challenges. So um, how are you unifying your technology and other solutions to um, work towards that? Well, let's go back to the five C's for a second. I think the efforts alongside the efforts to mitigate the impacts, we need the five C's to adapt to climate change as well. So I believe that climate change adaptation is something that many industries need to get more pro proactive about. I think that we're still in responsive mode. We're still kind of playing tennis instead right. of, <laughs> you know, uh, battling the ball back and forth. Um, so Going back to Capgemini for a second, I have a, a multidisciplinary team and we've been working across clients to write operational strategies for how their organizations can adapt to climate change based on models and risk tools and how they can support communities where they operate, not only to reduce the impacts, but also to prepare for weather related events, floods, drought, heat, humidity, for example. Yeah. And I think recently I've been working on using climate models to facilitate industry level dialogue for strategic use of, of agricultural raw materials and land use change associated with climate change. So all those things we mentioned earlier, but also thinking about soil degradation and water availability, which we know in, in a lot of locations, ge you know, geographically specific, but in a lot of locations around the world will be fundamental um, problems for us to solve. And those required levels of supply for increased demand due to population dynamics, which is also you know, quite a large topic. And I know that the UN covers um, very well, but we have to maintain nutritional requirements, right? Yeah. And we also have to maintain a, a supply of fresh water for people to drink. And I, I think that these are really difficult decisions that we have ahead of us around providing nutrition based on what we're seeing around climate change. And that is all around climate adaptation. So you have these, you know, real reactive things that we need to do to prevent flooding, for example, or hurricane risk, or, you know, big storms or, or high winds, forest fires, whatever they are. But you also have this more strategic 
piece that we have to start making decisions about now in order to be prepared for these inevitable you know, pressures on agricultural raw material availability. Sure. I mean, do you think uh, present government policy, and obviously you work across the world, so does it really help in um, pushing forward climate adaptation or it's not really helping so much so? I think we're getting there. I was really impressed with the Biden administration announcement last week. I, I think we're starting to get there. And I think from the UN's perspective, I mean, so we've had national adaptation strategies for years and NAPs are really important tools, right? But I, every time I read a NAP, and I think there's some really great ones out there, but whenever I read them, I, I often think to myself, it's still too high level. It needs yeah. to go down to the community level. I think we need community adaptation plans now, not national ones. Great. I mean, I think I think local governments need to be more empowered. Right. I, I think that we need I think we need mayors starting to ask these tough questions. Great. No, I think that's surely a, a, a very well thought point, Courtney. I mean, you, you've you know, you've started from, um, you know, you very early in the career from uh, being a horticulturist to um, a sustainability champion at the moment. So um, for anyone who is looking to follow your footsteps, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, take uh, this plunge, obviously, and as you said, living the purpose. Um, yeah. What would you what would you suggest them to do? So my advice for those starting out is to the first thing that I would do is, is to find your purpose. You know, why are you here and what do you want to accomplish and how are you going to do it? I think you need to be broad enough to allow for flexibility, you know, pivoting with opportunities so you don't miss out on a chance to make an impact. So that balancing act along with your purpose is really important. I think you need to stay true to your purpose while building a corporate career and compromise with yourself is also key. Um, but your purpose statement should be your mantra. I, I actually say mine every morning and it, it keeps me focused. After all these years, I just reflect for a moment before my feet hit the ground out of bed and I say my purpose and I, it keeps me, my, me focused. Um, second, I'll give you three things. So second, I think your personal resilience will be challenged. Sustainability is a difficult career option because sustainability careers are often personal to us, but other colleagues' roles are often not all that personal. You know, we are not just paying our mortgages. We, we are living purposeful lives. And, um, you know, I think you need to form habits that will fill your bucket every day I practice yoga twice a day for 15 minutes. Um, and it, it keeps me sane, to be honest, but you have to guard your sense of hope. So resiliency is another thing that you, you really need to build your personal resiliency. So please make sure you do that. And then third, and, and finally, I think you should take the opportunity to be a practitioner sometime in your career, You know, to do the work on the ground and to understand how to land change and how to make it scale. It's it's all well and good to know how to, to do something like this or to, to have a, um, a, a beautiful PowerPoint presentation, uh, but you will not change the world with PowerPoint decks or ideas alone. Great. Thank you so much, Courtney. And finally, Courtney, before we uh, call it today, I mean, is Capgemini in um, any of its initiatives uh, trying to engage um, the civil society? Uh, to increase their awareness around uh, sustainability, perhaps through case studies that it's involved in, or generally speaking, about, you know, to enhance the knowledge around uh, sustainable practices, perhaps? Yeah, so Capgemini have a huge public sector business, 
and across the world. I mean, largely the work that we've done in the public sector is around data and technology, but we're starting to build those relationships more with sustainability related practitioners inside governments. Um, we've had really progressive conversations with a couple of German colleagues who are leading our public service uh, part of our business. And they're now engaging with the United Nations. I actually think they're in New York this week. But I'll, I'll say it again. I believe that goal 17 is the most important. Um, yeah. I believe that collaboration for the goals is the only way that we will scale our impact and transform the economy with the systemic change that we need. And with that in mind, I think my personal ambition has always been to surround myself with like-minded individuals and then rally around progress <laughs> and, and to push everyone I meet out of their comfort zones. Um, I think being a critical friend to, um, to governments is important. I, I really do. I, I think that we need to, we need to understand um, that the road ahead is not going to be easy. But at the same time, I, I always, I push myself to really focus on practical solutions because you have to make it tangible for governments yeah. because they have so much on their plate. And I think we really do need to make efficiency a little bit sexy again. It's a goal of mine. You know, I, I think we've, we've moved away from efficiency and we, we focus so much on big things like net zero. But at the yeah. same time, we need the actual, we need the actual stuff on the ground in order to drive efficiency gains. But at the same time, we also need to be transformative and systemic. So we have to consistently and constantly balance between those two worldviews, between being practical and being transformative. Um, and Capgemini do that very well. We have our, our rooted in the pragmatic um, through our, our work with intelligent industries and data and technology, our engineering capability as well. But then we also have the more transformative and systemic um, colleagues as well. So people like us who sit in Sustainable Futures, we have our, our frog brands, we have our purpose brand. So what I love about Capgemini and why I joined is that we have such breadth and depth of experience and knowledge across so many different topics. So it's a lot of capability to leverage. Okay, great. And I mean, just uh, one mantra, perhaps as a sustainability champion for others listening or viewing you to take away with them. Um, back to their desks. I really believe that we need to enable sustainable choices at every opportunity and decouple progress from overconsumption. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Big Time Sustainability. Please share, subscribe, and join us again next time. If you are a change maker or know someone who is making a big difference in their community or globally and should be on this show, please email us at podcast at thebigsynergy.org or visit www.thebigsynergy.org.